Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of City Walk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with City Walk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search City Walk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. Good morning, friends. How are we? Uh, Really glad to be with you guys this morning. Um, We're so glad you're here today. You know, we we started CityWalk Church 10 months ago with really a pretty simple goal. We wanted to have a place, to start a place where people could walk together into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. You hear us say that all the time because that's, that's what we're all about. And our, our goal was whether you were kind of unconvinced about Christianity or you had followed Christ a long time, we wanted to have a place that was a fertile place for you to come, to be comfortable, and to grow together. And I, I hope that no matter um, where you are on that spectrum, that your experience here has done just that, that you are more open to Jesus' call on your life today than when we first met. Um, as, as our pastor just said, my name is Chris. I, I am the family pastor here, which means I get to, to lead a fantastic group of people that see your kids every week um, in City Kids. They're over there right now doing a great job, and we're grateful for that. We're grateful for you coming. Um, Chris Fincham, who you just heard from, is really, he, he's, a, he's been a, a good friend of mine for a long time, and he's a really, um, he's a great leader and communicator. And I want to encourage you, if you've never actually heard our lead pastor speak, to come back another week soon and to correct that, because you'll be glad you did. He's, he's a great, he's a great uh, pastor, and you'll be glad to hear him. Now, this morning, I would like to do something a little different. Um, so if you would go ahead and put up our swipe. Uh, I would love to be able to have a little bit more interaction with you sitting there in your chairs than we would just normally have for a sermon. So if you'll go ahead and you open up your phones, it's cool, we're in church, I'm telling you, break out your phones, go to your web browser, and type in swipe.to backslash 2687pc. Uh, pretty simple, pretty simple URL, put it in, and you're going to see a presentation come up on your phone. Now we'll still have some points and pop, things pop up on the screens, but w- this will give you an opportunity, if you'll log on, to answer a couple questions, and we can have some interaction back and forth as we speak. We're going to try this today. I hope it adds something uh, to the service. So I would love to go ahead and actually try it out right now. We'll do a little sample question. So our first sample question, again, if you need that URL, we just took it down, is swipe, swip.to backslash 2687pc. All right? So the uh, people are already voting. This is fantastic. Now, um, this is a question that actually came up in our, the city group that I'm a part of, Sapphire Group. Uh, we had a little instant poll that we did. Um, and um, so it, it's kind of cool. We'll, we'll let you guys, um, we'll, we'll, we'll view the results there. Can you, can you click it up there so they can, so they can view the revol- results? I don't know if that's possible from your side. Uh, it, should be, it should be here. But anyhow, right now, Crescent Rolls are winning 19 to 11. I personally like both. That is my goal to have both. The view results button there in the middle if you can get it. Yeah, there we are. All right, so we'll be good to go now. 
So we're going to try this today. It may crash and burn, but we got to try stuff sometimes, right? Uh, here we go. Um, let's pray together, and then we'll get into our message this morning. Jesus, thank you for the opportunity to share your word today. Thank you for how good you are to us. Thank you for everyone who you've brought here this morning. I ask that you would, you would be present in this room, that your spirit would speak to our hearts, and you would use your word in a mighty way today. We love you, God, and we need you really, really desperately. In Jesus' name, amen. So, let me start with a thank you. I, I want to thank this, you, this gathering, this church, for just many, many things. You know, I and my family have been overwhelmed since we moved here last summer. And it's early on, this community, in particular this gathering, has embraced us. Um, as Chris said, I knew Chris and his family before they moved here. I knew one other family that moved out here from Florida. But I really knew basically three people when we moved out here. And now I have a room full of many friends and a lot of them next door and some who even aren't here today. And I am so grateful for that. This church has stepped up and really played a, a major part in, in my family's lives. In June, a great example of that, I was called out of town for corporate training in Baltimore. So my first morning, I wake up in Baltimore, I am at training, you know how everybody loves corporate training, we're sitting there watching PowerPoints, and I get, if you'll, if you'll put up my picture, I get a pic this picture from my wife during training. Um, and that is my house with an enormous tree laying on it. Um, we had a really large Chinese plumeria in our backyard, and then big branch fell off in the middle of the night sometime, fell on our home. Now, again, I'm in Baltimore. Now, I, there's nothing I can do about it. I have to be there for five days, and I don't know what's going on. But within hours, within hours, CityWalk stepped in and did something amazing. You know, within hours, that tree was popped, was totally cut up, and this picture was taken. And I love it. I love this picture. Um, CityWalk came to the rescue for us. And I was overwhelmed. You know, it was really an incredible gesture to my family. And I was very thankful. You know, all I wanted, really wanted to do was gush. I, I, it was weird. You know how sometimes a new dad, which strangely I am, but um, I, I, a new dad will run around showing pictures of their kid. Well, in this case, I was literally showing my coworkers pictures of a down tree and a group of really great sweaty people. All I could do was gush. It's, it was an amazing, amazing service that they were sending to my family. And, and last month, we, I saw CityWalk come into action again. My wife, uh, if you know us, she gave birth, birth to our fourth child, I have to count now, um, gave birth to our fourth child, Elliot, last month. Trust me, we were as surprised as he looks in this picture. Um, but we had this kiddo and a steady stream have been at our door of well-wishers, people carrying food, congratulators. This church is just embraced us in a way that I, I, I'm, I'm just overwhelmed by. Thank you so very much. You know, I, I actually and, and foolishly, I, I kept myself from saying thank you for that tree and for what you guys have done last time I spoke in September. That was a mistake. Uh, thank you so very much. And it's really this time of year that our minds are drawn toward thankfulness, Right? It's Thanksgiving. We actually have a national holiday, think about this, dedicated toward Thanksgiving. We live in an amazing place. 
And, and I believe it's important both to be thankful and to say thank you. You know, I've been trying personally to say thank you both verbally and tangibly as much as possible lately because I really believe that it's a valuable and God-honoring trait. So with that in mind, I have an idea for a new product, and I'd love to get you guys' interaction on it. See, here's, here's my idea. I want to call it a thank you light for your car. Now, just, just hear me out. You know how you've been stuck in traffic maybe before. You're at, a stop, you're at a stop sign, traffic's moving. You have no hope of getting into the flow of traffic. But someone is gracious, stops a bit short, and allows you in. Would you put up, I have a mock-up of my picture. So what I want to be able to do is be able to push a button in my car, give them that green thumbs up that everyone will know this is a thank you light. I love this idea. Now, the problem with my idea is that someone will inevitably develop a, project, a product that will highlight a different finger. But, but I still like the idea, and I'd love to get your input. Can we put up our second, uh, our second swipe question of the day? Tell me, would you be interested in my thank you light? Sign me up. I'm sure everybody's going to write that. We go to production next week, so I really need you to say sign me up. Um, but yeah, like, uh, so kind of take your vote there. Tell me what you've got. We got a lot of sign-ups. This is great. I love that. Um, we're having a little fun, but it's, it's, it's just important to be thankful. And I, I love the idea. You know, it's a funny thing about being thankful. Show the results for us. Yay, a lot of sign-ups. They're probably never. That's fair. I get it. But um, thank, you for, thank you for kind of participating in my little poll there. Thank yous, though, they take on a funny thing in our society, don't they? Sometimes I think that we look at thank yous a bit too altruistically. And l let me explain. It's not uncommon to hear this phrase. Well, I, I didn't do this or that to get a thank you or a response. I did blank because I just care about you. Someone tries to say thank you, they get that response. I, I, that's great. It's awesome to serve people with pure motives. But I think when we kind of have disdain, and I've done this before, to be fair, I've kind of been mad and even feigned offense at people who've tried to tell me thank you for something. When we do that, in an attempt to not make it about us, we have made it totally about us. Because here's, here's the point with a thank you. It is natural and healthy for the person that we help or the person that we serve to be thankful, right? It's natural. So why would we want to stymie a good, godly, natural reaction? But we do this sometimes. We often complicate thank yous. However, Jesus celebrated them. And that's going to be the focus of what we're going to talk about this morning. You know, our Creator knew that us saying thank you was both healthy and to be encouraged. And here's really our key thought for the day. Thankful people say thank you. In today's passage, we read about some people who were incredibly thankful and gave an amazing thank you. But before we get into that passage, I want to say a quick word. Our passage today, if you were here last week or if you listened in on the podcast our passage is going to sound a bit familiar. Last week, Pastor, Pastor Chris shared a powerful message to close out our More Than a Hashtag series. He challenged us with some goals, and he used 
last week, he used a, an event that happened in Luke chapter 7. In that event, Jesus was at, was at the house of a Pharisee. Now, a Pharisee was a very religious, pretty self-righteous person in Jesus' day. And Jesus was at this home, and while he was there, a woman poured ointment and oil, fragrant perfume, on Jesus' feet. Now, this woman probably lived in the red light district of town, okay? And instead of castigating this woman or throwing her aside, Jesus forgave her and, and, and congratulated, thanked her for the gift. And Pastor Chris used this, uh, used this, this event to help us understand that Jesus cares about people. And that Jesus wants us to see people the way that God sees them, through a filter of love, a filter of grace, and a filter of humility. However, I want to be clear, this event that we talked about last week happened midway through Jesus' ministry. It was near the Sea of Galilee, and it was a different event than we're going to talk about today. See, what we're going to look at today, you had different people at a different time and a different focus than that event. We're going to go today to John chapter 12. And in that, we're going to find something that I think is very relevant for us in this time of our calendar. See, I believe what we're going to look at today is the closest that thing that you're going to find to a Thanksgiving dinner in the Scriptures. It's really an amazing thing. We'll start reading in John chapter 12. The same story is... is, is recorded in, Mar- in Matthew chapter 26 and Mark chapter 14 as well. We'll pull in some details from that, but we'll start with John chapter 12. First, let's look at the guest list. Some of Jesus' closest friends were at the table. The Gospels of Matthew and Mark tell us that the dinner was, was hosted by Simon the leper. Now, think about that for a second. If Simon the leper is hosting the meal, that means he has probably been healed from his dangerous, deadly, and contagious disease, right? I mean, who's signing up to go to the house of Simon the leper if he's still a leper, all right? So he was probably healed by Jesus himself, so he had plenty of reason to be thankful. We also know that at the dinner was Lazarus and his two sisters, Mary and Martha. Now, this is important because we're going to read from John chapter 12, but in the very chapter right before this one, John chapter 11, Jesus has raised Lazarus from the dead, okay? So this is a pretty big reason for them to be thankful as well. I mean, it's, it's a powerful portion of Scripture, John 11. You just want to see Jesus rock and roll. Sometime read that chapter. It's amazing. So this, is, this sets the story for us in John chapter 12. We also know that the disciples, Jesus is, at least his 12 disciples were there. Judas is mentioned by name. But we know that they're there and that that things have been going really well for them, right? They followed Jesus for the better part of three years, and they've seen him do previously unbelievable things. So now their hearts should be full, and they're sitting at this table. I imagine them eating a great meal. I'm sure they laughed. I'm sure they, they shared. I'm sure they even cried. They enjoyed their time together. You know, I think they had deeper conversation than remarks about the weather or how the local chariot races were going. It was that kind of a night. You know, I would love to have been in this room. This is one of my favorite moments in Scripture. 
And I think of it a lot like I think of our city group. You know, in my city group, we connect each week, and I love it. I love it mostly because I love those people. And, you know, I firmly believe that Jesus and the people in this room had that same type of feel. They enjoyed it. And they may even have been eating tacos, which that makes sense to me as well. If you don't know what I'm talking about, our city group always eats tacos on Tuesdays. So, so let's begin reading in John chapter 12. Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at table. You know, as dinner is ending, the group is just lingering around the table, right? Those are the best meals to be at, the ones where the meal's not really over when the food runs out. The fellowship continues, and that's where we find ourselves. The dinner is, the dinner is ending, and they're just starting to relax and enjoy. I hope you enjoy that same environment this coming Thursday. But, like many of us will also experience this coming Thursday, someone is about to do something at the table that is going to drive a wedge right into the group. Mary, therefore, in verse 3, took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. So to say thank you to Jesus, Mary grabs a pound of costly, rare perfume oil and pours it on Jesus. The closest thing I can come to that equates to what she's doing would be taking a full pound of really pure essential oils, that's the popular thing, and pouring it out. And the Gospel of Mark tells us that she even broke the alabaster flask that it was held in. This, this is a big deal. No doubt, this was the most expensive thing that Mary owned. She was probably keeping it aside for when she would get married as part of her wedding dowry. This was an amazingly beautiful gift. Mary was compelled to give it simply because she understood what Jesus had done for her. No one gave a command. No one made a request. She realized what Jesus had done for her. Think about it. Jesus had raised her brother from the dead. Her brother was her breadwinner. Jesus had mended her family. Jesus would forgive her sins and save her soul. Jesus was worthy. These are incredible reasons to be thankful. And thankful people say thank you. Sadly, and perhaps like some of us may experience this week as well, not everyone at the table had the exact same thankful heart that Mary did. Look at verse 4. And Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, who was about to betray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Judas, the man who in a few short days would betray Jesus to be murdered, he did not appreciate Mary's gift. Matter of fact, he was indignant and vocal about it. His stated reason sounded good on the onset, right? Judas was concerned about the poor people in Bethany. Those poor, unfortunate souls. How magnanimous of Judas. But before I rail on Judas more, let me do put this gift 
in perspective, right? So 300 denarii, a denarii was basically, or denarius was basically one day's labor, one day's wages. So for you and I, if you work a standard five-day work week like I do, that would take you 14 months to work 300 days. So if we personalize the gift that Mary was giving, to personalize it to you, take your monthly salary for 14 months, and that's the value of what Mary poured out. Now I'm certain, no matter who you are or what you do for a living, that is a lot of money. And to be fair, that amount of money could help the poor, at least momentarily for sure. Clearly, Judas' motives were self-centered. Unfortunately, it wasn't just Judas who made these comments. Both Matthew and Mark tell us that some of the other disciples were making the same statements. As a matter of fact, this is how they said it in Mark 14, verse 4. Why was the ointment wasted like that? They called Mary's thank you a waste. A waste. You know, the actual word they use in the original language has the idea that they were saying Mary poured out this ointment in some unwholesome or even demonic type use. That's a really strong accusation for a woman who is literally pouring out the most valuable thing she has at the feet of her Savior. That's where those guys were in that day. And I'll tell you, it hurts when someone rejects a thank you or casts it aside, it hurts even deeper. That pain is real when, when it's someone who you would expect to be an encourager. When I was in second grade, I was placed in the classroom of a fantastic teacher. And I know everybody says that. It's cliche. But I got to tell you, mine really was. Her name was Mrs. Wellman. And Mrs. Wellman was great. You know, when we learned about Egyptian history that year, we didn't just learn about pharaohs and tombs. No, we built our own um, Rosetta Stone-type hieroglyphic guides. Like, we got in depth. When, When we learned about architecture and design, which, yes, in my elementary school, we learned that for some reason. But when we learned it, my teacher took us on a day-long field trip around Central Florida to see different buildings. Mrs. Wellman was the best. My parents actually divorced while I was in her class. And I got to tell you, she gave me some desperately needed encouragement during that time. I loved Mrs. Wellman. Matter of fact, when I left elementary school, I stayed in touch with her, regular touch. It wasn't just like, oh, I'd stop by every once in a while. We had communication. We'd see them. We had a great relationship. During my high school, my life, though, changed forever. I realized that Jesus Christ had died for my sins in high school. I was overwhelmed, overwhelmed with the reality of what Jesus had done for me. And I decided to go all in following Jesus. You know, I had planned to pursue a law degree, but now I was considering ministry. And I can still remember the day when I, with excitement, told Mrs. Wellman that I was going to attend Trinity instead of Auburn. I still remember her response because it rocked me. She said, oh, Chris, you're so bright and have such potential. That seems like such a waste. She used the exact same word, waste, that those disciples did. And I'll tell you what, I bet it hurt, I bet it hurt Mary just the exact same way it hurt me that day. But I'm going to tell you something else. 
time, experience, and Jesus himself tell us that those destroyers are so wrong. Look at Jesus' answer to the disciples in Mark 14. But Jesus said, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. Jesus interjects, leave her alone. While her accusers were making a strong statement, Jesus makes an even stronger one. You know, in his original tone, tongue, this leave her alone was emphatic. It could easily have been translated, get back. Get that out of here. We always read Jesus' words from the Bible, the red letters, very calm. But I don't think he always said them calm. This was a time for righteous indignation. Jesus uses a word here. It's the same word that is used of the disciples when they left their nets. They abandoned their nets to follow Jesus. And what Christ is saying is, hey, guys, you'd better leave this subject and this woman alone forever. Because what she has done is the very definition of good. Jesus would have none of it. He goes on to say, For you always have the poor with you. And whenever you want, you can do good for them. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. And truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, including this multi-purpose room, what she has done will be told in memory of her. What an honor. Jesus commends Mary and sets her as an example for all who follow him. Now, what what set Mary apart was not some unique skill or physical attribute. Mary wasn't wealthy, although she had a resource. Judging from the time she lived, it's a guarantee she was not highly educated. It's really likely that if you passed Mary on the street, she wouldn't merit a second glance. But what gave her such a high honor? Why would the Lord memorialize her through the Christian church? It's simply because she understood how thankful she was to God and she did something to say thank you. Because thankful people say thank you. Mary's example begs us to ask ourselves two questions. The first is, are you thankful? You know, the question applies to everyone. You know, no matter where you are with your faith, even if you're, if you're an atheist, there is plenty in your life for which to be thankful. And from where I stand and from the truth of the scriptures, I know that all good gifts come from God. He has given me so much, and I want to be thankful for it. That leads us to our next swipe question. How, how thankful are you? Rate how thankful you are. You won't see the question here. You'll just see the six, the six boxes. So one being the least thankful, you know, I'm really struggling with this. Six, I mean, I am gushing with thankfulness. How thankful are you? Let's gauge ourselves honestly. I'm going to vote here. Um, votes are coming in. I like this. So they, normally they would populate. We're kind of showing them all at once. This is pretty cool. One is the lowest. Six is the highest. Good, good question, Mike. One is the lowest, six is the highest. It's tough, right? Because our, 
our thankfulness can wane. Let's see, let's see our results. We have, we, have, we got a pretty thankful crowd here. I'm glad. And I hope that carries over through Thursday. I hope you're able to share that with your families. But the problem with our thankfulness is it does ebb and flow over time, right? Is it just me or is it so easy to take every single thing in our lives for granted? I, I don't think it's just me. The reason we do that, the reason we get in trouble, it's just so natural for us to be drawn to the negatives instead of the positives. We take our eyes off the mark, off the good things that are going on in our lives, and we miss the boat drastically. I, we're heading into Thanksgiving season, and I, I, I want to share this. This is from Abraham Lincoln's very first Thanksgiving proclamation for our country. I think it's, it's fitting. We have been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. We have been preserved these many years in peace and prosperity. We have grown in numbers, wealth, and power as no other nation has ever grown. But we have forgotten God. We've forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. Sadly, these words have characterized me so many times, but it should never be the case. You know, just taking a very quick inventory of my life, and if you'll indulge me for a second, proves otherwise. Frankly, I have a family. I have a family who loves me. It's imperfect, but they love me. I have an amazing wife who's sitting right over there. She sacrifices daily to take care of me and and our children. I have kids who are healthy, strong, high-strung, creative, and caring. And I get to come home to them every night because I have work. God has provided for me a place to go during the week where I can make a meaningful change in the world. Where I work, we build quality places for people to live and, and work and be employed. And at my job, I have people who I would consider genuine friends. They're annoying at times, but they are my friends. They actually pay me to show up there. Think about that. That's amazing. Um, I have a community, guys. Jesus has placed me in a very special community and country. Think about it. We live in the most affluent country in the world. We have a standard of living that's unheard of. We have problems. Every place does. But we have a lot to be thankful for. And we live in Northern California, all right? As someone who just moved here, I am very grateful for that. I'm really happy to be living in Yuba City. I have a church, too. You know, God launched this church giving me a place to grow, a place to to belong. He's bringing people here. Really? No. He's bringing friends here so that we can walk together and we can grow in our faith. To be honest, this is hard work starting this thing, making this hum every week, but it's worth it. I also have forgiveness. God loves me dearly, even though I was a sinner, actively fighting against him. God still sent his son to die for me. He made that sacrifice because he cares about me. He gave me freedom and forgiveness. That is not, I repeat, not just some story we tell kids in Sunday school. That really happened, and that changed my life. Look, what I just named, those five simple things, that's just the beginning of my list. Some of those things would fit on your list, some wouldn't, vice versa. But this I do know. 
that if you'll take the time to make your list, you'll be overwhelmed. God has done so much in our lives. Where we, where we lose thankfulness is when we don't keep those things in front of us. We take all time for everything else, but we don't take time to thank God for what he's done and to focus on the good. So my challenge to you this week is to take that time. It's the week of Thanksgiving. This is a timely challenge, right? So here's what I'm asking you to do. Take a blank piece of paper, grab a a new document on your computer, or open up a fresh note on your phone, and just take a few minutes to write down, just list. doesn't have to be complete sentences. Just list out the things that God's done for you. It doesn't have to take an hour. Easily could. Take some time to focus on the amazing things that God has done for you. Now, I want to address something else here that's very real. Maybe you're one of the many here who have had a a difficult trial or a loss in your life. And it might be that when you take that moment to reflect on your life, there is a blinking red light that flashes that's very difficult for you to get past. I totally understand, and my heart aches for you. Because that, that, that is real. It hurts. But I want to encourage you to still make your list. To take that opportunity and do it. Because there are definitely still things in your life that are worth thanking God for. I'm not making promises that you're going to feel like it all balances out. I, that's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that you need to lean in to the good things that God's given you. You need to lean into Jesus because that is where real joy and real thankfulness is found. And that, that matters because thankful people say thank you. So our second question, how do we say thank you to God? This leads us to our next swipe question as well. Oop, here we go. What type of thank you is most meaningful to you? Words or gestures? Go ahead, take your vote. For me, it kind of depends, right? I mean, it's the situational thing. Um, but I, I, I land on gestures. That's my vote here. It really depends. Sometimes a word or a thank you note is appropriate. Other times, leaving a dozen box from the cookie tree on someone's table is the right way to say thank you. Yeah. And um, that, that matters, now, let, let's, look, let's look at our results. We, we're, we're landing on gestures. Well done, people. Nice. You know, here's my, here's my takeaway, though, from this. I believe that when it comes to saying thank you to God, the all-above approach is really the right one. God deserves it all. Look what Paul wrote in Romans 12. Paul wrote, I beseech you, or I beg you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. It is reasonable, it is natural for those who are thankful to God to present their bodies, their lives, as a living sacrifice. Basically, everything should be on the table. Think about it our hands should be on the table. Our energies and what we do should cry thank you to God. Our activities, our service, it's all for him. Our finances should be on the table. 
Look, it's not even about the Christmas generosity offering. It's so much bigger than that. God has given us so much from his hand. Why would we hoard these things to ourselves? But it's not just those. Our minds should be on the table. Our thoughts and the things that we devote ourselves to should be God's things. See, surrendering our minds to God is where the game changes in our Christian lives. No doubt about it. And last, I'll harp on this, is our schedule should be on the table. You know, we make plans. We have lives. I get all that. But a thankful spirit will drive our schedules over and over back to the Lord who gave us these good things. We prioritize what is important to us. Bottom line. That's how we say thank you. Let me take a side note here. God sent his son to die for us, not for the thank you. God does not need our gratitude. As a matter of fact, I'm going to make a bold statement, which is not bold at all, and say that God sent his son to the world to die for us, knowing that the vast majority of people would not say thank you. But why is saying thank you so important? It's because it's good for you and for me. It's good for us. Saying thank you is a healthy outlet for our souls. So let me challenge you to openly ask God this question this week. Jesus, how can I say thank you for all you have given me? I'm going to repeat the question again. Jesus, how can I say thank you for all that you have given me? What is popping in your mind as I read that question? What alabaster box might God be asking you to break? What ointment might God be pushing you to pour out? Look, I don't know. But I do know this. A couple years ago, the Butterball Turkey Company set up a hotline. And they said, hey, we want to have an opportunity for all of our customers to be able to get, you know, just advice on how to make a turkey. So they set this whole thing up, and one lady called the hotline, and she was inquiring about a turkey that had been at the bottom of her freezer for 23 years, all right? So as they're talking, figured out that the freezer had worked, and the the representative told her, hey, look, if the freezer's worked, that turkey's probably edible. However, after 23 years, the flavor will be terrible, and I wouldn't recommend eating it. The lady's response, I want to get it right. The lady's response was this. Ah, that's what I thought you'd say. We'll just give it the turkey to our church. All right? Now, all joking aside, all joking aside, God deserves better than our hand-me-downs and our scratch-me-dents, right? Jesus is worthy of our premium time, our best energies, our priority thoughts. We can trust him with the things we value most. You know, Matthew Henry said, where there is true love in the heart to Jesus Christ, nothing will be thought too good to bestow upon him. Look, there will be people, if you give a, deep, a gift of deep gratitude, there will be people who will not like it. I say, who cares? God help us. God help us not to be not to be distracted by the acceptance of Judas when, we, when Jesus is in our presence. Because that is ridiculous. Considering what God has given us, 
we should give him everything. Again, because thankful people say thank you. So we're left with two challenges. We're almost done. The first one, make a list this week of things that are in your life for which you just need to thank God. I would even challenge you to this. Use your phone. We all have these smartphones now. Open up a new note on your phone. Leave it open. Make a list, and as things come to you even throughout the week or the next few weeks, add those to the list. It'll be a long list. You'll be overwhelmed. That's how we stay thankful. We keep these things in front of our eyes. And our second challenge is to ask this pressing question. Jesus, how can I say thank you to you for all you have given me? How can I say thank you for all that you have given me? Others may not like it. You might even push back at the answer you get. But it's not about them, and frankly, it's not about you. It's about Jesus, and he is worthy. So let's ask God to help us be thankful people and to say thank you well. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the staggering things that you have done for me. Thank you for humbling yourself. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for all these people here. Thank you for bringing us to this spot and working in our lives. Please, please, Lord, help us to see your goodness. Keep it before our minds. Fill our hearts to be thankful. Show us, Lord, how we can say thank you back to you. Not just this week, but with our entire lives. Give us boldness to follow you wherever you lead in that question. You are worthy, Jesus. Amen.